Hey, it's Demika here, and we are continuing our summer of reruns. And don't worry, you have not been abandoned. <laughs> Danny and I are just taking a little bit of a break, right? We're trying to practice what we preach and make sure that we are taking a moment so we can come back give you all fresh perspective and fresh content. So thank you for hanging in there with us over the summertime. And we really look forward to sharing some new stuff with you. But today I have decided to rerun the episode entitled Death to Diet Culture. Now, I I don't think I need a whole lot of buildup into this episode. Maybe what I want to do with this episode is have a little bit of transparency and maybe a smidge of accountability here, uh, call it a check-in. I don't think I have been shy, but if this is your first episode, I am fat. I don't say that for pity. I am a thick unicorn, and it is something that I have wrestled with most of my life, and as also a short, mixed black woman, <laughs> I've always felt that this was just yet another identity, another label that I will just have to wrestle with. So doing this episode was, I- I'm not going to lie, was particularly challenging and very emotional for me, which, you know, I just love getting emotional on here on the microphone. But what I want to say is, since this episode aired, I I have made some progress, but I am still a work in progress, right? And I wanted to be honest with you all about that. I am still very much on a journey on my relationship with food and with my body. But what I will say is that I have shown the most skin this particular summer, than I have in a long time. Maybe it's climate change. Maybe it's confidence. Maybe it's a little bit of accepting my body and appreciating it for all that it has done and all the things that it will do. You know? Or maybe it's finally, after all these years of doing the podcast, is realizing that maybe the biggest middle finger that I can give to white supremacy and the patriarchy is for me as a fat, black, and white mixed woman, who is maybe not the standard of beauty, is to live. Is to live and to live well and to live long and a healthy life. (laughs) Because there's so many systems that are currently in action now that their sole purpose is to counter that, right? And so I want to live a happy and long, well-balanced, self-accepting life in my skin, where I'm at, no matter the number on the scale or the size of the high-waisted mom gene. (laughs) So... If this is your first time listening to it, please let me know your your take, uh, your own journey. I'd love to hear about it. If it's your second go around and you, you know, you have kind of grown with the episode or have been challenged from it, or you want to challenge us about it, I would absolutely love to hear your take on it, okay? All the ways to get a hold of us are going to be in the show notes. In fact, at the end of the episode, we do a whole thing. You ought to know if you've been listening to us for a while, but... Yeah, I hope that you find this episode um, as affirming for you as it was for me, okay? Be safe out there, unicorns. You guys are so fabulous. 
Can't wait. Can't wait for y'all to hear some new stuff from us, okay? Peace out. Belvin. And I'm Danica Brown. And we're biracial unicorns. And we're fat. That's P-H-A-T. Petty, hilarious, and tired. So tired. So, so petty. <laughs> moderately. <laughs> moderately. No. By by our own opinion, but oh my goodness. I I like I felt so 90s writing this, because was it? P-H-A-T, pretty hot and tempting or tasty. And I'm like, yeah. is there anything outside of the Budweiser frogs? Is there anything more 90s than that? Mm, there's a lot. There's <laughs> a simpler time. <laughs> I know, razor phones, glitter lipstick. Girl, I am still wearing glitter <laughs> lip gloss. Please tell I'm me not had, giving like, the, it up. the two-tone where it's like blue on one side, purple on the other, and it's a chunky, dry oh, out man. your lips, kind of big, you know, killing the environment kind of glitter. My jam was the uh, lip smackers. Yes! The liquid lip gloss. Say it. And it has the vanilla flavor. Yes! Some <laughs> vanilla frosting. Sister. Yep, it had like a little gemstone at the top. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that nice, beautiful, like creamy shininess. But girl, yeah. please, please, big shout out. I, I, I <laughs> doubt they're still. I'm doubt they're still going. But if they are, hit hit us up. Yeah, we'll, I would love we'll for lips. Swaggers <laughs> <laughs> to be a sponsor of the show. <laughs> Just send us a bunch of lip gloss. The Dr. Pepper chapstick was where it was at. I will. There was a, you know, any, they had like a whole berry line. I'll take some chocolate frosting. I'll do the roll on glitter. Like we will gladly promote all of your stuff. Just send it right on over. Send it over. (laughs) We're going to at you at that. They're going to be like, there's no at for lip smackers. (laughs) How could lip smackers have no social media presence? Oh, Lisa Frank has a huge one, and they—they no, they like, probably do. They probably do. Are we going to find this out later? I mean, I'm looking right now, so later is very soon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and if you don't know what we're talking about, you're 12. Go to bed. Right. Right. <laughs> that was ageist. 12 year olds need to listen to this, though, particularly yes, this episode. Yes, because we are talking about. Your body, my body. I know things are slowly kind of opening up, but we're still technically under a precautious kind of lockdown situation. And something that I keep seeing pop up from the beginning of all of this back in March till even presently today is this concept, this idea of the COVID body. Mm-hmm. And do you know what I mean? I, I just everyone it's either. And the thing is, it's both extremes. It's the lockdown body. You won't get tight. You gonna get right. You're going to burn all the carbs. You're going to get shredded because, you know, that's your focus. You're going to turn your living room into a gym or you're going to come out looking like Jabba the Hutt. You're just going to be, and it's uh, both sides have jokes, memes, TikToks all across the board of what the COVID body is going to look like after this. And (laughs) girl, I'm sorry to do this to you, but you're still saying COVID. (laughs) Am I saying COVID? (laughs) 
<laughs> I've been saying COVID. I say it all the time. I'm like, this is me. I say COVID. I say COVID. This is my, but I guess I could call it the Rona. I guess that's not very professional either. Or Corona. <laughs> but what I'm saying, the, the continuous thread between all of this, it just reeks of diet culture. Yeah. And that's what we're going to be addressing today. We're going to open up this huge prolific topic of diet culture. We're going to talk about how it impacts our personal lives of Danny and myself, our culture, and also, as always, it always boils down to race. And I think it's hard to talk about diet culture without also talking about the body positivity movement Mm -hmm. because they're so intertwined and yet at odds with each other these days. And in this particular COVID moment i'm seeing like a lot of both of them right Mm -hmm. and it's it's a weird dichotomy like i think it was already hard enough to grow up in the time that we did particularly right on the coattails of like 90s heroin chic Mm -hmm. being like the female ideal and i think that was that was hard as like a woman growing up during that time a girl growing up during that time but i think It must be incredibly hard right now for young women in this moment with just social media and Mm -hmm. all of of the things. It's just like pounding and it's (laughs) culture already has a lot of pressure on us to look a certain way. But yeah, so maybe first let's talk about what we mean by diet culture. What is diet culture? Of course, we're going to go over what it is and what it is not. So let me preface by saying that with this topic, like many of our topics have been quite challenging personally. This one I have found very, very personal because I still find Mm. myself in researching this, that I'm actually still very much like in bondage to this ideal. Mm. So let me just say like, if you're listening to this and you feel oh, snap, that is me. Or like we have said before, when you learn new things, it's okay to change your mind. And do not be down about yourself at all about trying to grow as far as like your own body positivity and body image. And yeah, and I'm not speaking about any of this as someone who has it together, but as someone who is still trying to learn to not only live a very well-balanced, healthy life, but also learning how to just embrace and love their size and shape that they're in. With that being said, that means I can identify that I'm also trapped within diet culture. And I think a lot of you who are listening probably are too. So first and foremost, the big thing knowing about if you're in a diet culture kind of trap is food restrictions and or eliminations. I think that's like the food rules or food code. That, that That's how you're going to know. And unfortunately, I think that's one of the biggest things that's going on of no carbs, no sugar, no fat, like depending on where you are in that line. Yeah, I think part of the issue within diet culture is this idea of these temporary diets, like these quick fixes. There's no problem with the word diet, but the way that it's used and the way that we're using it today is this idea of like a quick temporary change in order Mm -hmm. to lose weight. And I think that's the problem. But I think there's a lot of people who do have food restrictions or eliminations that are completely healthy or done in a way that is healthy or done in a way that best serves you, right? So I think, I mean, I've talked about on the show before, like I'm a vegetarian, right? And it's not Mm -hmm. 
for me, it's not like a way to lose weight. There's like many things. And I guess we can get into that a little later. But I think like this idea of like, go low carb or no carb or only carb or whatever, like whatever the trend is. And and, and I think that's that's the issue with restriction and elimination is like this idea of like latching onto a trend for a temporary quick fix where honestly like diet in and of itself just means like the foods that you eat and the types of foods that you eat. And so like thinking about that and making mindful choices is totally healthy, but it's when you're doing it with the intention of a temporary thing for weight loss is where I take issue with, with diet culture personally. I think another thing for food restriction is, is that, and you've actually kind of brought this up when I talked about with my, my family, like we eat clean, you kind of saying that if you eat clean, that means that there are foods that are dirty or wrong. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes with food restrictions, my thing is, is that we can demonize certain foods. So when we cave or when we have our weak spot, when we eat these food that we have demonized or deemed as dirty or unclean, we thus become dirty and unclean Mm. and evil. When I talk about like food restrictions and eliminations per se, like for you, vegetarian for also for you, it's not just necessarily a food restriction. Like that's also just a a choice for you and your lifestyle. Does that make sense? It it wasn't necessarily about you eliminating meat. You made the conscious choice of saying like, this is how I want to live my life respectfully. This is what represents me as a person. And I think there are people who have done that for several reasons. And I think that should be respected. But when I'm talking about food restrictions in this sense of the diet, it is just that conscious of I'm not because that is bad. I am not because does, does that make sense? Yeah. Of kind of having that. And and I mean, that that is hard. And we I think we're going to be talking about that several times in it of just like when we lift up certain foods, you're going to automatically downgrade other ones. And that balance is going to be so, so difficult, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And that's definitely something that my husband and I spend a lot of time talking about. Like food is very important to him. And food justice has been like a a huge passion and calling of his life. And as a farmer, he's very, very connected to food. And he falls into the trap of like calling foods bad sometimes or like making judgment calls about food. And I'm always there like, but is it bad? Is it like, think about what you're saying, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. So I think another way to know if you're in a diet culture kind of a wrap is that weight loss will equal happiness, worthiness, or success. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the things of just like, you will feel better once you do this. Now, mm-hmm. if you're living a very natural, healthy, well-balanced lifestyle, will people tend to sleep better, things of that nature, but there are still a lot of mental health things that are very much tied to your physical body. And sometimes I think there's like a, this thin body worship of reaching this, like getting those glutes lifted, getting that weight cinched in tight, of thinking like having this diet, if you do this for 12 weeks, you will obtain this figure, which will equal to equal to or less than this particular body type. Yeah, something I find very troubling about diet culture and something that I even catch myself feeling at certain times. You're waiting to live your like life based off of when you like lose that weight, right? Like you're mm-hmm. you're seeing that as the point in which you are worthy of being happy, of like wearing that swimsuit, of like doing these things. You're waiting a constant wait until you hit this one point rather than mm-hmm. like living life in in the moment in which you're existing and appreciating your body for what it is like 
literally keeping you alive, literally moving you (laughs) in space, like doing all these remarkable things uh, regardless of being at your ideal weight. Uh I guess in my opinion, if you see anything that has like a time limit, eight weeks till happiness or a 12 day cleanse, I think if you see any of those, you should probably run. Mm. the other way. Yeah. And I think that goes with kind of what I was saying with food restriction and elimination. Like a diet isn't a temporary thing, right? Like a diet is like the way that you eat and the foods that you're putting in your body. And usually if it's, if there's like a time limit to it, it's not going to be effective Mm -hmm. in the long term, right? Like you can't Mm -hmm. be like, I'm going to eat this way for eight days And then all my problems are fixed. Like, that's not Mm. a realistic. Because fat doesn't have a watch. That's true. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm telling you, in eight weeks, it's going to be like, I'm still here. Or I'm going to see you in another three weeks. So that's just a little literal food for thought there. But so we're talking about what we see in diet culture. And I think Danny's really kind of put as well what what it isn't. And I think that's us saying like, eat what you want, do what you want. It doesn't matter, right? That That's that's not what we're saying mm. whatsoever. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's very important to care for your body. It's very important to care about the food that you put in your body. And that is something that I don't think enough of us really give enough brain space to. The food you're putting into you is your energy for everything, right? Like it's literally everything. We're physical beings. We exist in the physical realm. Food is literally what powers us. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. it should be important and you should care about what you're putting in your body. And we're not saying don't care about it. We're saying that we have issues with this diet culture. And a big part of that is this idea of end result of weight loss. Mm -hmm. So what has been your own personal experience within the diet culture realm? Mm, Well, quite honestly, I mostly lack the self-control to diet. So it's not Mm. it's not a huge thing. I also benefit real. Yeah, I benefit a lot from from thin privilege, I guess, like even at my heaviest, I've never been obese like I've I've probably been like pushing overweight but I've never been like very heavy I don't think people would describe me as like a heavy person so I benefit a lot from that but that doesn't mean that I don't have my own fucking (laughs) self-image issues (laughs) I've done a couple of of elimination diets for other health reasons like no gluten eating vegan and those were like short time things to try to figure out other health issues and they were illuminating in the sense that I realized I use food a lot as just like a thing to do when I'm bored. (laughs) It's just I eat. It's a double-edged sword. I think being aware of what you're eating and when you're eating is important. But I think within these problematic diet cultures, it becomes like ultra awareness, obsession. And I know I have a tendency to fall into obsession. So I think trying one of those diets would be like very terrible for me (laughs) in that sense. That being said, I don't even own a scale because I know (laughs) I get so fixated on, on my weight. There's the relation to diet culture and this idea of self-worth and Uh self-image and vulnerability. And I think all of this is very (laughs) 
related and it's something that yes even as somebody who doesn't diet I grapple with these these ideas and these things uh, but I'm also fortunate enough that I have access to a lot of very like close to the source foods nutritious foods even though like left to my own devices I I will eat <laughs> junk food because I all the cheese all the cheese um I was telling my husband this morning to not call out my cheese because um it's a cultural food it's like New Mexican it's basically a condiment in New Mexico Mm -hmm. Um, hashtag don't call out my cheese yeah I'm like it's a cultural food Mm -hmm. girl girl don't mess with it I don't know yeah how about you well food is life it is literally it is life it's literally life it's not like when people talk about food addiction which is real it is a very complex one because unlike liquor and smoking I can't quit food right I don't know how to quit you here's the thing with with me in my life I come from two people who are beautiful and also have both struggled. Both my mother and my father have struggled with their weight. Mm. And they also come from beautifully big bone people. Mm. I did not stand a chance. Mm. With that said, I love I love cooking food. I love talking about food. I like reading about food. I love feeding people in masses. I love sandwiches. I and I use very romantic language with it. And the world does too. We say you have to break up with food. I need to break the cycle. I'm eating my feelings. Food porn. We use very lustful, powerful, personable language when we talk about food. Because guess what? When I'm homesick for New Mexico, I cook. When I'm <laughs> watching all all this systemic issue crap going on in the news, I eat. When I'm bored, I eat. When we have something to celebrate, girl, I'm a also eat. It is just one of those things where it is my default and it's something that I have grappled with. Um, You're also a really good cook. So I think that makes it. (laughs) (laughs) I am a great cook, everybody. And I'm super humble about it. Now, I actually, I really, I take a lot of pride and honestly, I love, love, love feeding people. It actually brings me so much joy to be able to do that. Food is your love language. We've talked Mm -hmm. about this before. Like that's how you show people you love them as you cook for them. Yes. Eat this now. I love you. This 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 is how my husband is the same way. So like I I feel that. Yeah. And I benefit (laughs) from that. So, so for me, it's so important. Like, so me, and my best friend can literally talk for hours about recipe and food, and that's another like that. That also what ties us for so long as friends. But I have had this whole dark side of food where it is the torturous bit of dieting, where I have been on and off of different diets, ridiculous ones. I mean, especially you know, we both have been in the theater world. I have been told like you would get more parts if you were thinner. I have been told to my face, you know, you're so pretty for a big girl. Oh, you don't worry about it. Big girls have pretty faces. Yeah, but this has been my whole life. And with food as well, I think especially being a woman of color, being a woman of size as well, I think I'm very hyper aware of how sometimes people view it. I'm afraid people are going to view me as being lazy, gross, out of control, 
I feel sometimes with my weight, it can lose credibility because there's an mm. association of success that's dealt with a certain size. Mm. And even like in the dating world of desirability, mm. you know, thinking like, like I said, literally people saying, I think you're, you know, I'm just not into big girls because that's a fetish. That's a type. And like, well, I'm not into that instead of being into me as a person. And even people, my husband is a very slender man of saying like, oh, that's so sweet that he can still be with you. Uh. Well, which part? Like, like, oh, I'm so glad that he doesn't judge you on your outside appearance, like to my face and thinking it's a compliment that that's the thing. And people, like I said, just having a lot of <laughs> backhanded compliments of when it comes to being a woman of size. And I have yo-yoed up and down. I mean, anywhere between about like a hundred pound yo-yo, which is a massive wow, one. Yeah. And yeah. And don't even get me started after having a child and also breaking your leg. Don't do it. I wouldn't recommend it. But because of that, weight is forever always in a balance of, I love food. I know how to wield it well. It's how I show love, but at the same time, feeling so betrayed by the very thing that I love. So diet culture and just researching it and really trying to understand my relationship with food has been, it's, it's an ongoing thing, but I feel uh, I feel more hopeful now than I have when I start understanding of what, of how race and food mm. kind of tie in together. It has been really illuminating of what that does because it does make it seem like I am not out of control and I'm also not alone and that I can actually have success. Not because of I didn't, did not, because I understand where food belongs in my life. Mm. I wanted to also just like a a thing that we have in common like my husband is also very slender like I have my husband's Mm -hmm. more slender than I am too and it's always like I don't know like I think there's a level of judgment that you feel from other people when you're like not the same physical type necessarily as your partner and I think it's compounded by like not being the same race as your partner um something that we we both have in common perhaps Mm -hmm. It, it is it is really rough. I think people, I think that's another way that people don't assume that we are together. You know, when we're out at a checkout aisle and he's in front of me and they check out only half the stuff and then you just assume that he's done. They don't ever assume that we are together. And it's one of those things of, is it my size or my weight or is it both? Because there's this thing, if a white guy is going to be with a woman of color, he's going to be with someone who's going to have like, you know, little in the middle, but you got much back. Like there's this mm-hmm. still... Slim like there's an aisle but they do there is there's just like ideal woman figure that they have especially for women of color that it's like we've talked about it before in our beauty industry as well in sexualization it's just like they want us to be 36 24 45 now like there there is just this body type that I, I don't know how anyone can actually achieve. Now, there are those very gifted, there are. beautiful melanin, rump shake. I mean, bless you. You are gifted. That is amazing. You are beautiful. Do not be ashamed of your body. But let me tell you, you're, you're, it's, <laughs> we all can obtain that. And that's okay. That's more than okay. But unfortunately, because like we said back before in the media, that image is plastered of, yes, that. We, we finally want that. Curves are finally kind of in, but they have to be in the right proportion and right. they have to be in the right place. It's both, right? Like you're supposed to have big hips and also big boobs. And like some of us just cannot carry weight in those areas. <laughs> you know? or, or too much. 
Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, like the distribution isn't going to be the same. And that's like natural. We we didn't touch on this too heavily, but like this idea of the thin ideal, right, which is this stick thin, rail thin sort of body is very much unachievable for a lot of women of color because our bodies are not and for white women too honestly like it's unachievable for many people i feel like i feel sorry for women across the board i feel like strongly for my sisters of color but like i mean i like i said for the first time probably in the last like i know 10 15 years i'm like dang white girls are getting it too now do you know yeah (laughs) like because even on the on the inverse of that i know you know friends like even males who have a hard time putting on weight but now that like i said they want either they want that that body concept they want that what is it the hit style body with the round strong shoulders they want Mm -hmm. muscular thighs but they their bodies just won't do it and so like i feel that there's just pressure across the board you know so i how do we feel about the word fat like i i have such how do we feel about the word fat it's so loaded right like i feel like there's a big movement of people trying to like take back the word fat and make it like not derogatory kind of in the way that like queer has been like taken back and like instead mm-hmm. of using it as an insult it's like a mark of a person and like a source of empowerment almost it's hard it's a heavy word i think i don't know i don't know how to feel about it <laughs> how do you feel about it <laughs> i've got feelings it you do see this move this movement with you know, a, a lot of plus size women, I'm thinking, what is fat? Fat is the mm. buildup of cells within our bodies that is mm. waste that cannot go anywhere. So scientifically, the word fat is a thing. And there's some people, especially uh, in scientific journals that say, I'm calling it what it is. It is fat. If a person has too much weight, they are in a fat category, then they are in the O weight and they are also obese. Do you right. know what I mean? So there's a scientific realm of the word fat that I have to kind of acknowledge. But for me, because I have been called fat in the negative context, it's really hard to separate the two words. And so for me, I have to be able to be like, my body has a lot of fat and not saying I am fat. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a big, yeah, that's a big distinction. And I could understand that for sure. So instead of just saying like everybody has fat, like even some of the most fit people, you need fat. It's healthy. Your brain actually needs it for lubrication. Like you need fat. But at the same time, like I myself, I have extra fat in my body. Mm-hmm. But like I said, I'm working into a season of not saying I am fat. Because that is, that that's one of the things that's also, like I said, very, very damaging. Once again, it says size and weight proportion equals my success and my self-worth, which is difficult. <laughs> you kind of touched on this earlier, but we didn't really get into it. This idea that you can't really tell a person's health by looking at them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there, there's there been a lot of pushback recently about this idea of you can't be overweight and healthy. Mm. You absolutely can be, but that doesn't mean that everyone who is overweight is healthy, right? Like, mm-hmm. there, there's so much about the physical body that you can't see by looking externally at a person. And yes, for many people, extra weight 
does increase the risk for like heart disease and diabetes and other things. But there are plenty of people who are overweight with healthy blood pressure, healthy cholesterol, healthy blood sugar levels. That's something that I have issue with diet culture is because it's like this push to change your body quickly in a way that is more healthy, but not like thinking about long-term results. Ultimately, Mm -hmm. the best thing you can do for your body is to eat healthy and to have regular activity and that's like sustained over for over the rest of your life like always doing that no matter what you weigh like that's what's the most healthy I think something that we aren't as critical of on the other side is like people who present as thin or people who are thin present as healthy and they aren't necessarily healthy Mm-hmm. Jamila Jamil, who is from Good Place, she she yeah. has this great podcast that I, I've started listening to recently. She was talking about how she benefits from thin privilege. People think she's healthy. She was comparing herself to like Lizzo, who embraces this like word of like fat or heavy, mm-hmm. um, who isn't even that that fat I would say personally like she's not that no she's she's, just thickums she yeah exactly and she was like and that woman is like a fucking athlete like she's over there twerking playing the flute (laughs) like doing all these things like doing things that Jamila was like I cannot physically do and quite honestly she acknowledges that she has a lot of health problems that are rooted in her anorexia and unhealthy eating yeah. in her youth that have like over the years like still impact her body still impact her heart still in, like and you can't tell by looking at her mm-hmm. well that's the thing that's the danger of diet culture is that we're completely ignoring the inner and and i think if we start talking about uh, a diet in the way of let's get your mind right so we can do this, that would change the game. I mean, thinking about how many people have eating disorders are are very real. Mm -hmm. It's very vicious. I think it's something that's kind of dropped off of really talking about it, especially like, oh, that's a young teenage girl thing, but it's really running rampant Mm -hmm. within within our community. Even to some extent, I think everyone thinks, oh, that's someone walking around, you know, binging, purging, or walking around looking like a stick figure. I'm like, no, that's not necessarily always what it looks like. It's anyone who has a very... um, aversion to food of anyone who is not accepting what their body image actually looks into. And I think because it's one of those things of they pass it on to, oh, that's a very small portion. We've, we've kind of, uh, we've kind of like lost the plot on that a little bit. And diet culture creates this emotional cycle of like achievement. Yay. I got it. Oh, I slipped. I failed. I gained. I Mm -hmm. suck. I'm going to try even harder. I've done it. I've got it. I've achieved this. I'm fantastic. Oh, I failed. I've gained. I've sucked. It is a vicious cycle. And not even to mention like fat phobia, like from all the way, fear of having it, fear of being fat, people having fear of fat people. Like there is this plague of, of this that all springs Mm -hmm. from diet culture. Yes. Yes, absolutely. We're focusing a lot on women because we're Mm -hmm. women, but certainly all these things also apply to men and non-binary folk as well. Mm -hmm. Say it. It's something that affects lots of us. But going back to this idea of, of race and how that impacts it, like 
people of color are more likely to have eating disorders <laughs> than white people. Um, and they're also more likely to be not seen as problems by health professionals <laughs> when we do have eating disorders. Um, so like, for example, black teenagers are 50% more likely than white teenagers to have bulimic behavior. And Latinos and Hispanic people are like significantly more likely to have bulimia than non-Hispanic peers. And these are like pretty recent reports, you know, in the last 10 years that have found this. White people who have been asked by a doctor about eating disorder symptoms, like they're asked more often mm. than people of color, even though there's like eating disorders amongst everyone, right? Like there seems to be more concern about it being a problem within white communities. And I think and this is like me drawing conclusions, but I think it's because the ideal body is still like a certain white body, right? So even when people of color are are not doing well, are fighting with this, grappling with this diet culture, they are not seen as having a problem, right? Because they're like so far removed from what the white ideal body is. Does that make sense? It totally does. I, I think that there, there's multi issues kind of sprung like a sprocket from it. So, of course, a doctor, once again, not having cultural competency, mm -hmm. which is why we need more brown doctors, brown and black doctors, of being able to ask those questions of what the body needs. I also think a lot of medical profession professionals have kind of written off the diet mm. needs mm. of black people. I think, because what do you think about, specifically, I'm speaking upon, everyone thinks black people what soul food, right? Right. There, there's this whole thing of like, well, that's the way they eat. They're not very active. They all have diabetes and hypertension, high stress, things of that nature. And I think there's a lot of stigma when it comes to people of color and health. Uh, it's, it's across the board from, I mean, girl, even just looking for materials from nutritionists and dietitians of color, girl, I, ha I had to dig to find some credible, <laughs> yeah. you know, dietitians and nutritionists of color that focused primarily on people of color that once again did not fall underneath that diet category as well, because they can do that as well. And I also think once again, I think people say like, well, if this is what black people are eating, which is a lot of fried food, heavy food, cheese based food, like we talked about at the top of this is part of the culture. There's this like, well, how can I combat that? And so I'm not going to be as nearly as concerned on the flip side of that, of looking at eating healthy mm. for people of color, I think there's a stigma we talked about what's on the white yep. list, yep. right? Yep. I think that health food tends to be primarily on the health list. Things like kale, chia seeds, like not only can people of color, especially in certain urban areas, not get a hold of these ingredients, they're very um, expensive and also some of them kind of unnecessary. We'll just eat a cucumber. Like we don't, they think if you eat your Asahi, then that will equal health. If you eat enough buckwheat, that will equal health and the availability. And also there was an article I was reading. Oh, where is it at? They're talking about uh, this woman of color saying they gave me this plate of health food and I didn't see myself on the plate. Mm. It didn't look like food I would eat. This does not represent me. And that's also important to a culture when it comes to food. So I think there, there are these multi layers of people who have this assumption of this is how they eat. They are unhealthy. And so to me, to kind of ask and inspire people of color to eat is, is going to be a lot more work. 
And I mean, we even use words of like war on fat or war on obesity. Like there's just this at odds. And I think sometimes wondering where to put the effort at when it comes to the information and education and knowledge about health. I think sometimes people kind of count out people of color when it comes to that world. Mm-hmm. That's definitely something that I have struggled with a little bit within my own life because like I said I my husband is very conscious of food and what is like a healthy food and he's always like trying to make me eat more vegetables or whatever right but then he'll want to like make like enchiladas with like vegetables in them and I'm like I just want the cheese <laughs> like I just want cheese <laughs> and like sour cream like we don't need all these other things it's a rough thing to do to like make those compromises right of like finding ways that you can still see yourself in the foods that you're eating but making it like perhaps more nutritionally dense more like nutritionally healthy in the process it feels like a weird compromise to have to make as a person of color Mm -hmm. well it does but I think that's one thing of like reclaiming our food what I am loving now is seeing more I'm not saying you have to do this in order to be healthy, but I'm seeing more people of color who are vegetarian, Mm. who are vegan, Mm. who are obtaining healthier, well-rounded lifestyles. I mean, the thing is, I've been seeing more people of color doing the fitness thing. Watch my videos. I can work out. And that's great because movement is such a vital part of being healthy. But when it comes to the basis of food, I am very encouraged by people making, hey, I love fried chicken. This is a way of making it a little bit healthier. Yeah. Hey, I like I love me some ham hocks, but this is something that can have a lot of flavor to it. And let me tell you, it, it's a flavor profile. Like you can have your seasoned salt, you can have your Lowry's. Let's just oh my God. Like when we oh my so I found this podcaster and uh christina johnson but her thing is just like and i like vegetables i just need them to be seasoned Mm -hmm. like that's how that's like her little throwaway i'm like yes i need my vegetables i just need them seasoned (laughs) there was something really i mean it's of course quite funny but there's something that really spoke to me about that within the community i'm like and i am encouraged because that's something very obtainable I think, for people of color across the board. That's true. And I think part of it, too, if we think back historically, there wasn't as much obesity and all in these health problems that are related to obesity, like in the past. Right. So like, what is the difference between now and then people could still eat those like traditional foods? Right. Mm -hmm. How did we get to where we are? Also considering things like portion size, like our portion sizes are getting larger and larger. And Mm -hmm. think about like how often you're eating these things. Like there's nothing wrong with eating, you know, fried foods, but perhaps like cutting down the amount of days that you eat fried foods. Like it's amazing, like these little changes. Um, And we're, we're living in a period, in a moment where like, at least as like Americans, right, we have access to so much food mm-hmm. and so much processed food and things are just so available for many of us. So thinking, being able to consider those things and also like food justice is like another end of this that we don't necessarily have to get into, but it is a consideration mm. with diet culture, right? Like what is the access to 
foods like because a lot of the cheaper mm-hmm. foods are it's, kind of like yep lack nutrition right they're just like empty mm-hmm. calories and so exactly. that's impacting our bodies as well mm-hmm. food deserts are real and that's within a certain neighborhood block the access to fresh fruits and vegetables that is a very real thing and i mean honestly we could probably do an entire whole episode of just like the the race science and the background of diet culture Mm. on itself and maybe that's something that we need to do but that's why i'm saying it's not just a one-layer issue in dismantling diet culture specifically for for people of color because it's so rooted and so ingrained in us i was telling my husband beforehand when when preparing for this of just being like it's so difficult to try to separate myself from from food Mm. and being able to you know what i mean because it's so it's so important to me but in light of what's going on in this world and being a woman of color and having so many things out there that can get me. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. With, with, with brutality, I'm just like, I'm not in shape. I need to get in shape. Like it sounds very, very dark, but for me, my eyes are just kind of, no, it does. It does yeah. but for me, I'm like, I am not in shape enough to fight for myself. And I'm like, and the biggest thing I can do for the movement right now is to show up and be there and, and do my part, but you can't do that part if you're dead from having too much salt. So a lot of things have really kind of come into clarity. <laughs> right. And I mean, we aren't being anti-health. <laughs> We're being anti-diet no. culture and pressure. So it's like riding that line. And certainly even with coronavirus, my husband was telling me, and I wish I had gone to fact check these things or find the sources um, that he was citing. But, you know, it's no no secret that the U.S. has suffered more deaths than anywhere else in the world. And I guess scientists are now linking it to, like, we we already knew all these underlying health conditions contribute to it. But Mm -hmm. also, like, obesity is what they're saying is one of the biggest factors. So it's not necessarily, like, the physical body being, being overweight that's the problem, right? It's like the metabolism. And so like these doctors were saying, even after a week of like more healthy eating, like your metabolism changes. Even if you're not seeing physical weight loss results after a week, your metabolism has changed and the way it's processing food has changed. And yes, for many Mm. people over the long term, perhaps you will lose weight. But really, it's about like these things that we cannot see are are things that would, would help mitigate your susceptibility to the coronavirus, at least as far as mortality is concerned. There are so many reasons to care about your body. And yes, we all want to look good, but I I don't think that should be Mm. like the primary reason, particularly when we're striving for for some sort of ideal that is unachievable. Yeah, but actually, I didn't didn't write this down, (laughs) but I kind of, I I do want to harp on this for a second about I want to be healthy because I want to see great grandchildren Mm. because I'm selfish and crazy. And I know that, but I would be lying if I did not say that I want to be able to fit into my pre baby pair of jeans, Mm. not because society told me that I should, which they do whole other episode Um, this expectation of I need to bounce back after having a kid. But let me tell you the, I think it would be slightly easier for me if I could go into a store and find clothes that were affordable and fashionable for my body mm. type, 
Cause that is real. Cause that's another part of like, I need to lose weight because I don't have clothes I feel good and comfortable with. Cause once again, they don't think about shapes and curves when it comes to fashion. My clothes will sometimes cost upwards of an extra five to sometimes $10 more for the same thing because it's more material because I'm a bigger size. They don't carry as many pieces and clothing of the clothes in my size in stores. And let me tell you, the clothes that they do have available for my size are, they're, they're not always great and they're not always the cutest or the trendiest. And let me tell you, that makes you feel, it has a whole otherized feeling mm-hmm. to it. It makes you feel like something is wrong with you. I need to change that. I need to be thinner because obviously the majority of people who are shopping here are. So for me to fit in, I need to go on to this diet. And it starts that as opposed to where if there is a little bit more expansion and a little bit more, you know, inclusion when it comes to clothing sizes, maybe I wouldn't feel like I need to do these things in order to do that. So for me, I want to be healthy. But at the same time, I have to fight against the urge to want to look a certain way so I can feel good in my own skin because I have clothes that I feel good in. It is a very, it's a very difficult, weird balance to try to make of just, I tell my best friend all the time, I'm always between like, screw it, I'm just going to embrace it, I'm going to put on my favorite pair of dun-dun-duns and let it all hang out because I am beautiful and I cannot find enough layers to cover up my shape, whatever my shape is. It just fluctuates from day to day and it is really, really difficult and I really wish our culture as a whole would kind of you know, they're they're saying don't celebrate fat because fat is unhealthy. At the same time, love who you are. Yeah, it's just it's clashing, and I think a lot of people are being swept up into it. It's like love who you are as long as you look a certain way. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's the tagline. Love your body as long as it's not round. Yeah. <laughs> so so how do we how do we go dismantling? This? Yeah, that's a good question. Like I said earlier, I don't own a scale so that I don't get too fixated on on those numbers. But I, I like you, have clothes that don't fit that I'm like, if only I could fit into these clothes again, because mm. I love these mm. clothes. Only. And, and I would be <laughs> lying if I didn't feel like it was like a victory when I put on a dress that hadn't fit. And it, all of a sudden, it's like fitting a little better. Like I have a pair of shorts that that was the case like they weren't fitting and now all of a sudden they fit again and I'm like yeah I feel good about this and so like I have to like (laughs) evaluate what's happening there so I mean I think what I'm getting at is it's so like unconscious to a certain degree that it's hard to think about how how do we end this how do we dismantle this but we all have our internal work to do and like you're saying sometimes there's external factors that we cannot control that are impacting our internal work, like the lack of availability mm-hmm. of clothes that are flattering and fit well. Like, I don't understand, like, I'm just going to throw this out there. I don't understand why for plus sizes, like, the answer is just to put, like, more material and more pleating. And yeah. Like, how is that making anybody look better? Like, just putting everyone mm-hmm. in, like, just, like, some shapeless blah like that doesn't look good on anyone like I'm sorry but I don't think just because like someone's body is bigger we need to hide it for it to look better I don't Mm -hmm. know but that's just me I think there are ways and, and as somebody who has a lot of experience in 
in clothes, in fashion, in that sort of realm, <laughs> um, in particular, like doing theater and doing costume design and these things. Like I've thought a lot about clothes and how they fit and how they make people look. And there are ways, you know, to, to tailor clothing to fit different body types instead of just like mass marketing something that fits one body type for everyone. So th- th- that's like a, a tangent. And if somehow we could do away <laughs> with that, that would be great. Um, and I think that would mm. help so many people. We could all work on yeah, that. Let's all work on that. <laughs> but for me, I I find a lot of a lot of the issue is in colonialism and white supremacy. <laughs> like surprise, mm. surprise that that's like what I come back to. <laughs> but like, you know, we have these ideals that are being put on us that we are not able to achieve. And the fact that we have media and culture like amplifying these ideal types as beautiful is not helpful. So by being able to have more diversity, uh, and I'm going to go back to the entertainment realm because it seems to all go back to media, more diversity within film and television and models and all of these things, like these are the messages that we start to receive from a young age, like just who we see on screens Mm -hmm. and who we see as as normal and as ideal. So if there is like a bigger variety, I think that would help people feel more comfortable in their own skin. And not just in terms of weight, but also in terms of like race, in terms of gender presentation, in terms of like so many things, right? Like I feel like that's the answer Mm -hmm. to so many things. And yes, as individuals, we don't have a lot of control over what is shown to us but we do have control over what we consume and where we put our money collectively at the end of the day is where (laughs) producers and creators are going to invest money in the future when there are opportunities to support things with diverse casts that's that's something that we have to do Mm. I agree. I would just love to see, you know, a girl with some meat on her bones be the love interest and not the funny, quirky, mm. psychic friend. Right. Like, I don't, I, I'd, I'd be for that. I'd buy a ticket to that. And I, I know that there is a call to that as well. I think for me, like I said, in researching it, it has been like a little bit of a grieving process to realize just like how ingrained the diet culture has been in myself and like how do I break free and how do I encourage other people of color to kind of break free from that because society like you said there's like the you know the inner work and the outer work the outer work is exactly what you just said like demand from from media of just being like put people of different sizes also highlight you know the men and you know non-binary people who are struggling as well of being like your body is also good enough men struggle as well and I like my heart goes out to them let's let's put a light on this and dismantle that but there's also the inner working. And in research, uh, I've been looking at a lot of nutritionists mm. and dietitians of color who are very anti-diet. And I'm like, well, I'm not just about like what to get rid of. I need not a replacement, but what do I do right. instead? Because if I finally fix that part of my brain that says no to diets, what am I supposed to do? They say just be nutritious. Well, that can yeah help a girl out so christina johnson the beautiful dietitian that i found i've been following her podcast i just started up with her and she's talking about this intuitive eating mm. i don't know if you followed it whatsoever but they're saying of just kind of like this is what they're pushing towards within this nutritionist world of trying to combat 
the diet mentality. And there's kind of like the 10 principles. And I wanted to kind of check out and be like, all right, there's principles. How is that different than rules? But as I've been reading them and kind of sitting with them and researching a little bit, I was thinking, is this food healing? Is this putting food where it needs to be? Because at the end of the day, that's what I need to do. That's what Demika needs to do. I need to put food back in its place and not something that rules me. Is that something that is just a very healthy part of my life? I'll just kind of read them over super quickly. I just kind of want to get your thoughts on them real quick. Cool. Yeah. So they're saying that these need to be done. In, they're like, it's even in a particular order. And I thought, oh, okay, let's be organized. I do like a list with like clear steps. <laughs> I thought I thought you'd be really proud of me for this. So intuitive eating, they're saying, so you need to reject the diet mentality, which was first and foremost. I'm like, okay, I'm here for it. It says, honor your hunger. And I think that's what they're talking mm. about is like, once again, kind of intuing into your body of like the, the triggers. And if, sometimes you feel so primal, like if I, I have to eat this thing, they're like, you need to start Girl, honoring your hunger in moments of that. I think that is so important. And that is something that is like, without knowing this list, that is something that I have been very focused on, particularly within this stay at home Corona life, because I'm not as active because mm. I'm at home. Mm. So it's like taking a lot of focus on like, am I really hungry? Like, or am I just wanting to eat because this is my routine of when I eat? Or like, am I just bored? Yes. Am I just looking for something to do? I need a change in this moment. So maybe instead of like going and getting a snack, I take a break and go for a walk around the block or something like it's it's really like a mm. lot of work to just turn in and, and like, recognize these different feelings in in our bodies and and I think I've talked about on the show before that for me I have a hard time telling hunger and tired apart um <laughs> and I know it sounds ridiculous like I'm 34 years old and I don't know what it feels like to be hungry or tired but <laughs> girl but girl, I'm telling you, so in this podcast, her very first one, and they're short, I don't think any of them are over 15 minutes or so. And she talks about that, you know, as babies, they have no problem when they're hungry, they cry. And when they're done, they sleep. And like, they are programmed to know and to honor their hunger. And as we get older, we start deprogramming, like, you need to eat at this time, because that's what we do. And not are yeah. you hungry? Yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? So we start yeah, to unprogram. So it's like, you need to honor that. And, and have that. So the third one is make peace with food. And I'm just like, I'm going to probably ugly cry if I ever get to this. It's like, call a truce. The first, it says, stop the food fight. Give yourself unconditional permission to eat. I'm like, girl, like just, just that in itself is just like the word mm -hmm. permission. I think when you keep telling yourself, like, you probably shouldn't, you probably do that, that withholding of just like giving yourself permission across the board to, to grieve, to be angry, to have that extra drink, to have that food, like giving yes. yourself permission is one of those things of just, ah, uh, you know, when, when a kid is playing at a park and you say it's time to go in like five minutes and you say, yeah, go ahead. There's like that elation. There's that explosion of joy. And just like being able to have that, like stop making food forbidden when you have peace with it. And there's something so beautiful about that. So the next thing is like challenge the food police. And that's just kind of like talking about once again of like what is good food and what is bad food, restrictive food, dirty food. Um, I know there's a big thing. It's not necessarily in this article, but they're like good car, uh, good calories and bad calories. Calories are yeah. calories. 
Yeah, at the end of the day, it's energy, right? So there is no good, there's no bad, there's just a calorie. Mm -hmm. So then there's the next one is five is discover the satisfaction factor. And that's kind of learning about when Mm. enough is enough. And I think what you're talking about portion sizes, girl. (laughs) Girl, a lot of us come from a background where we have a bit of like a scarcity mindset, right? Like, so I'm like, if I, mm-hmm. if there's a cake, like I'm going to try to eat that whole cake because I don't know when I'm going to have cake again. <laughs> and that is not healthy. Like I, I'm striving to be the person who can just have one little slice and be like, yep, I'm good. Cake is a bad example. Cause it's not, Girl. it's a pizza, like pizza. No, no. Like I'm going to eat that whole pizza. <laughs> I'm gonna eat that whole pizza, girl. But but there's also another thing too, like in in culture, especially like in mine, like my my poor husband. When we first met, he's not um he's so good. Like when I'm full, I'm full. I don't like being over full. I don't know what that's like. But me, like my family is showing love to them is having mm-hmm. that second plate. Yeah, go get seconds. Oh, is that yes. all you're gonna eat? Like, are you, are you kidding me? I just had a mountain of barbecue. That's so common, and maybe in all families, but I feel like in families of color in particular, if I'm eating at my mom's house, like, she's gonna say over and over again, like, don't you want more? Don't you want more? Aren't you gonna get some more? And I'm just like, <laughs> I am full. Okay. <laughs> like, you know, because that's how you show that you appreciate the food is by eating obscene amounts of it i guess mm-hmm. well that like i said because five kind of goes into six so it's discover the satisfaction factor of like having what you need just dis- like basically deciding when you've had enough and then th- exactly what six is feel your fullness but that takes like listening for your body and signals because like i said we broke mm-hmm. that in ourselves and that's like with the signs and tiredness and pause does that and pausing in the middle of your eating i'm like you kidding me you mean i don't just shovel the whole time that's to me it's like especially when my daughter was first born i'm like i don't know what i'm gonna eat again i have i have to do this quickly i have a thousand things to do girl i am the shovel champion of the southwest like i'm a fast eater yeah i feel that but how can you feel your fullness you know what i mean then there's seven, which is, I think, once again, a beautiful hurdle, which is cope with your emotions mm. with kindness. And I was like, dag on it. This thing is going to get me. I, we talked about the emotional eating. But when you have that food restrictions, you start feeling like that oppressive kind of feeling and that does yeah. something to you. So when you actually do allow yourself to have these treats or cheat meal, which that verbiage needs to stop, uh, you know, cheating, it makes it sound like you're only loyal to the broccoli. That is not true. But they're talking about to really understand your anxiety, boredom, anger and experience and having, you know, what those triggers are. And getting to know those. But like I said, that's a lot of introspective. And that takes a lot of work and what to do and what hunger actually really feels like. There's a lot of dietitians that say we've actually kind of forgotten what hunger actually feels like and not what withdraws from food feels like. They're thinking if you have pounding headaches, if you feel like you're going to be sick, that's that's detox feelings, not mm. hunger feelings. I'm like, oh, snap. Well, you know, like that's blood sugar and things of that nature. And they're talking about like what hunger actually feels like as opposed to a body having a particular craving. I have definitely forgotten what hunger feels like. I did like a three day fast for for some like ovary things I had going on. And I was like amazed that you can go three days without eating. <laughs> I was like, wasn't even hungry the first day. Which I'm like, what does that mean in my life? Like, 
I I think I'm hungry, but what what are those feelings I'm actually feeling? Is it like the tide of the schedule? Is it that I just want to eat? And I'm not saying we should we should fast mm-hmm. for three days at a time. Like that is not what I'm saying. Yes, um, that, that's but not the takeaway. But I am saying that it's amazing how <laughs> unaware we are of actually those feelings. So we also move on to eight, which is respect your body, mm. which I think is what we've already kind of been talking about a while, and that's just accepting. The example they use, they have here is that like if you have a, a eight size shoe, to expect to squeeze into a size six is yeah. really it's it's unfair, and it's it's a little futile. And talking about your body size as well of having not just like have a realistic goal, but just have this respect that you are built in a certain way for a certain reason. And I think specifically for women, because I am one. Of just like thinking about all the amazing things our body can do yeah. and have done and just be so excited about that and be so honoring and respectful of like why our hips are shaped a certain way and shoulders and even our scars being loving and passionate about, yes, my body is a walking testament to my life and I respect that. The nine is movement, just movement. I love that. That's like to kind of not get yourself trapped into P90X, which is not no shade to that, or having these restrictive, hardcore kind of things, but it's just shift your body. It's just move your body instead of having it being like kind of calorie driven. You know, they have these exercise machines that will have the calorie count on it. Yeah, that's fucking weird. And that would drive me nuts. It drove me nuts. Like, I can't tell you how many times I'm like, okay, 10 more minutes because I have to burn 500 calories today. Like, it's just so unhealthy. Also inaccurate. Those readings are yeah. never accurate. Oh, I know, girl. So damaging. But but that's the thing. They're just talking about encouraging movement throughout your day if you work a desk job it's the same thing of like what those little pedometers are trying to do just get up and move if you have a little corner store and need to go grab something just go take a walk to it have some music on in the house and dance just incorporate daily movement Mm. into your life yes Yes. Yeah, I think we've made it to like going a lot of people were like open up the gyms open up the gyms and I want to be respectful if that's your jam power to you and I think you should be empowered but at the same time I'm like just if it's for health and not appearance then just move your body yeah just move it I don't know I'm probably gonna get called out for that but at the same time I I just want to say like if it's for your health you have everything you need in around you I guarantee it I guarantee it and the, the last one is honor your health which is gentle nutrition which I think is one of those things of just making food choices that honor your health and your taste buds And so, yeah, so it says, make food choices that honor your health and taste buds while making you feel good. Remember that you don't have to eat perfectly to be healthy. And it goes on, but just like that right there is just knowing that like you can have that little bit of cake and just next day have a salad and not just not torture yourself over the cake. Yes, yes. And you don't say, I feel fat after having the cake. Just been like, I had cake, dot, period. I'm mindful of it. I have satisfied that craving for sugar. And now I'm moving on to something else that's going to give myself some good energy. Not treating it as a punishment, right? You're not punishing yourself Mm -hmm. by giving yourself salad the next day, right? Like it's not a punishment. No matter how you feel. Yeah. (laughs) And I think it's also building the taste for those things, right? Like I like salad. Like I do. Mm -hmm. I like salad. Do I want salad all the time? No. And that's okay. Like, that's fine. <laughs> you know what goes really well with salad? Cake. Grilled cheese. <laughs> cake, 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 cake. Yes. So if you want to look those up, that's on intuitiveeating.org. 
And then Christina Johnson, Christina with the Y, I can put that in our show notes where we have, I just started her. She even just had a little six minute episode about eating even in this isolation kind of period and honoring that. And I thought, wow, I haven't finished all of her stuff yet, but I'm, I'm really encouraged. She's, I, I'm just I'm really thankful because let me tell you, like I said, scrolling the photos of just trying to find somebody who resembled me in the nutrition dietary world. It it took a couple of flicks of the wrist, but I'm really thankful. I I mean, I feel the same way about nutritionists and dietitians as I do about therapists. Like I Mm. am most interested in somebody who has a similar background to me, who looks like me, because I think that cultural competency is really important. And that's not to say that there aren't white dietitians and nutritionists who can't become culturally competent. But I think yeah, totally. being able to jump over that initial explanation of where you're coming from is important. I mean, a good nutritionist or dietitian obviously like wants to know about your background and your relationship with food and all these things. But I think like not having to explain your cultural relationship to food and your relationship to these like white ideal bodies in our society and your relationship to systemic racism. Like I think not having to explain all those things is really liberating and is a way to kind of get into the work without having to like educate the person who's supposed to be helping you. So final thoughts. This was like a really big topic. Oh my goodness. Yes. I thought, I thought about that before we started doing this. I'm like, Oh, should we have done this in two parts? Maybe. I mean, I think our our ultimate message, right? Is fuck diet culture. (laughs) Yes. For body positivity, but no for this fake body positivity <laughs> that's going around mm. or limited body positivity or body positivity as long as it fits white standards mm. like those are our problems is that a, a fair distillation <laughs> that sounds like a really good unicorn wrap-up I, I think I would just say is that it's not I think if you have been a woman of size, like 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 for me, I, I have been into some really dark, hopeless places to where you don't feel like you mm. belong or if you're worthy. It has stopped me from going to parties. It has stopped me from talking to people. It has it has made me not try out for parts for a long time. It has kept me from a lot of things. And I just want to say, you know, screw that. Let's care about our health. Uh, people of color, go to the mm. doctor. Go to the flipping doctor. The only way you're going to know if you're healthy on the inside is if you go to the doctor. Mm -hmm. Okay, start there and start working on that first. And with that, like, don't don't take it lying down. You know, ask hard questions. Don't leave until they answer all of your questions because that's what they're supposed to be there for. Make a list before you go. Mm -hmm. Write down a list and have it with you when you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, people of color also hold each other accountable when it comes to health and making sure you call out when someone is using diet culture language yes. as well. We, we have to hear it from each other of just being like, oh, you know, I just need to lose another 10 pounds. I'm like, or you need to love the body that you're in. How are you feeling? How are you sleeping? Are you drinking water? How's, you know, your salt intake, things of that nature. Call each other out, lift each other up, and you know, does that make sense? Because we all want each other to be here longer, happier, healthier. And 
it's we, we got you and we see you in all your different shapes, sizes and yeah, colors. Even those of us who aren't wouldn't be considered like of size. We mm-hmm. struggle with these similar things. Right. And kind of seeing seeing mm-hmm. that sisterhood siblinghood with all of the people around us right (laughs) like I mean I have definitely dissolved into tears about how fat I look in a thing and I know I'm not fat but like in that moment it's like my poor husband has to hear all the things right Um, so I think it's something that we all struggle with and as long as we're holding ourselves to these ideals that are not valid (laughs) we're going to continue to struggle with so I want to echo Damika's idea that like we have to embrace our bodies that we have and celebrate the things that our bodies are able to do um because the human body is amazing all the things that that we do like you know like I can just think a thing and my hand moves like that's amazing And I am grateful for it. And like my worth is not determined by, you know, how much I weigh or what size clothing I wear. But I think, should we, should we get happy? We should definitely get happy. What is making you happy? Well, apparently not food. So <laughs> I had to look back and be like so many food related happy places and, mm. and, and that's and that's okay. It's um it is a tie, which I have not had in a while. I've been so good at just streamlining my process. So both are lame, but I don't care. Uh one is picnics and eating outside. I yes. am such a sucker for a meal al fresco and i know and and i think you know some places are opening up dining outside i'm not talking about that i am just like being super ridiculously cute like actually packing an actual picnic basket going out to the woods because i live by the woods and having a picnic with my family or we've got like a little pop-up gazebo in our back garden and a table and just like eating outside something about eating outside elevates Mm. your whole meal and it's just it's just so nice you know it has been humid and weird and english weather is unpredictable i mean so is albuquerque but there is something just breathing in the fresh air and then breathing in your really good food it's just it's so good for your soul and then uh, the reason why i bring this up because i got my um my husband these for a father's day gift is uh uh they're aqua beads have you seen aqua beads no i don't know what that is oh gosh i'm so embarrassed (laughs) there's these little tiny little itty bitty i'm sure it's like some kind of like gel beads it's hard gel bead if you put them in water they expand and they're kind of like little like they look like jellied marbles basically and they expand sometimes like 10 times their size excuse me they can like they're so they're just I don't know once you drain the water you let them sit in water and they plump up even describing this sounds ridiculous but then you empty out the water and then you just have like these beautiful gel like kind of beads and they're so therapeutic to play with they are just you just dig your hands in and you kind of play with them like you would play with like rice or sand when you were a kid Mm. they're really fun they're super lame they're probably terrible (laughs) for the environment uh, but we, we keep them forever 
And so I found some jumbo ones. They're like the size of small uh, jawbreakers once you once they completely plump up. And my husband is so happy. He was so, so happy. They're just so relaxing. You can just sit there and just kind of like, you know, squish your hands in them. And it's so kinetic. And I, I know I'm I don't know if I'm selling them, but they're just these little weird things bring us so much joy in our house. I'll have to take a photo. Yeah, take a photo. I'm not sure I entirely understand, but I think yeah. anything tactile is like really yes. nice. And that's like that that's the thing with like sand or water play for mm-hmm. like early childhood. Like having that tactile is very soothing. Mm-hmm. Really nice. So, I can definitely see that. And I think particularly in the corona world where we can't touch things (laughs) like having that freedom to be tactile sometimes is really important it is girl what's making you happy that doesn't sound weird (laughs) (laughs) i just i described jelly balls and water on 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 air so you know yeah top that (laughs) Um, mine is kind of related to your first one. Mm. I've talked in the past, like various like Sunday routines, I guess, um, that I've had like for a while last year, my husband and I were having pancakes on Sundays. (laughs) Um, Mm. But but our latest thing um, that we've been doing for for a while now, um, within this corona world is we have been taking bike rides on Sunday mornings and we've been biking down to the Bosque so there's like a for those of you not familiar with Albuquerque the Rio Grande River flows through Albuquerque and there is a Bosque like a, a forest a wooded area around the river and so it's like really nice to have this access to like nature in the middle of the city mm-hmm. so we bike to the bosque we do like a bosque bike ride but we've also started adding in picking up breakfast burritos from different restaurants yeah um, so we're like trying all sorts of different breakfast burritos uh so we get our burritos on the way to the bosque we bike in the bosque and then we have this spot where we always go and sit uh, the same spot on the beach next to the river and so we eat our burritos and just hang out and just spend time together and it is like my favorite thing it's just so relaxing that sounds so great I can't wait to visit I always joke about like the we always say um, when someone's in danger in the movies or some people make, like, make unwise decisions, I'm like, girl's going to end up in the bosque. Like, it's always one of those things of, yeah. like, end up in the woods somewhere. You better check the bosque. Yes. It's, it's been crazy, though. This morning was the first, like, it was the least amount of people we've seen there in a while. But, like, I think with, like, coronavirus and stay-at-home orders and social isolation, like, People have been going to the bosque a lot more, which is a little counterintuitive, but like it's a place where you can be outside, not your house and still maintain social distancing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it's been like really packed. But this morning was the first time that it was not quite so packed, uh, not quite as many people. And I think it's because everything's reopening like the restaurant where we picked up burritos like there were definitely people sitting inside eating at the restaurant it's so weird like never did I think that I would live in a time and space where I'm like oh man how brave to eat at a restaurant (laughs) Um, (laughs) so stinking true (laughs) anyway (laughs) yeah so so yeah I guess uh you know it's and it's also I guess you could say it's also tactile because I like to like play in the sand a little bit like not like 
building a sandcastle or anything, but just like putting your hands in the sand is like a nice, comfortable feeling. And uh, I like to be near the water and the feel of like the air when it's near water where it's like a little Mm. humid, but not like humid, humid. That's nice. Mm, I just imagine Danny with like the one of those little, little rakes that they put. A little sand garden. Yeah, exactly. Just a little Zen garden by the mosque. But this all, all right. So everyone go apparently go eat outside. Yes. Go do it. Go make yourself a nice, well-balanced, flavorful meal with food that you enjoy that's good to your body. And go enjoy the outside with something tactile. Yes. You're welcome. Yes. All right, friends. Uh, that was a lot today. But um Oh, yeah, it was. I hope you join us next week for a mini-sode. In two weeks, we'll have another full episode. In the meantime, if you need more Demika and Danny in your life, uh, you can definitely <laughs> follow us on social media. We're on Instagram and Facebook at Biracial Unicorns. We're on Twitter at Biracial Magic. You can also send us an email or send us a message on any of those platforms. If you have something that you would like to say about today's show, if you have recommendations, for us if there are things that you want us to talk about if you have questions let us know our email address is biracialunicorns at gmail.com you can also check the show notes for phone number where you can leave us a voicemail if you'd prefer Mm. yes we want to give a huge shout out to so smith's photography that's done some beautiful photos for us dolly pop art that it's made our very iconic art right there please follow her also a shout out to joseph scott who has made our awesome intro and outro music yes follow all those people good people yes and don't let covid get you (laughs) (laughs) oh Jamika, you crack me up all right friends we will be back next Mm. week Mm -hmm. peace out peace